This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. One, two, three, four. Good morning and welcome in to the 24-7 Sports Football Recruiting Podcast National alongside 24-7 Sports Director of Scouting, Andrew Ivins. And it is another busy week of commitments in college football. Start at the top, the number two linebacker in the country, Justin Williams, five-star out of the state of Texas. He will go play his football for Kirby Smart in the University of Georgia. Outside of that, the number one running back in the country, you might have heard, was down to Oklahoma and USC. He has pledged to Brent Venable's big win for DeMarco Murray in the Sooners as they're off to the SEC next year. And if you want some more of that, Justin Williams, Taylor Tatum, we have done some emergency podcasts on this fine podcast platform, 24-7 Sports Football Recruiting Podcast. Make sure to subscribe, Apple, Spotify, wherever you find your podcast. That is the place to do it. So, Drew, we've already gone in-depth on those two, and we got a lot to get to today. But if you could give me a one-liner on Tatum to Oklahoma and a one-liner on Justin Williams to Georgia, and what do you think that means for both those programs? I think it's big for both of them, right? I mean, given where we have them ranked, and I think we've had some good back and forth and discussion about, hey, you know, who needed Taylor Tatum more? Was it USC or Oklahoma? I think we kind of spun tires there and then settled on the Sooners, right? And I don't know, maybe the thing that pushed it over the edge is, hey, Oklahoma beats Lincoln Riley for a, a top talent. So, no, I think that that's certainly a, a big one. He's a guy that can be on the field all three downs, um, is someone that can come in and potentially play right away. And I think as Oklahoma prepares for a full SEC schedule, you need to stack as many of those guys as you can. So big win for them. And then with Williams in, in Georgia, I think it's it's pretty simple, man. They continue to reload with defense or with difference makers on the defensive side of the ball. Coop, I know you're super high on him and and just his total package. I'm I'm right there with you. Excited to see what he does as a senior and Glenn Schumann, Kirby Smart, Will Muschamp. I mean, all those guys right there just continue to retool and re-outfit that defensive unit and if you are someone in the sec like do not anticipate the bulldogs dropping off because i go back to what they signed in the 2023 cycle at linebacker you look at uh what they did in in front of those guys on the defensive line i mean that unit is going to continue um to suffocate opponents yeah, if you're not aware of what they did in 2023 at the linebacker position in that cycle, they signed three of the top five ranked linebackers per the top two, four, seven, starting with guys like Raylan Wilson, five-star C.J. Allen, not far behind, and Troy Bowles, who's one of the most instinctive backers in that cycle, add Justin Williams to the mix, and you got yourself a uh, pretty talented linebacking core for the University of Georgia. Taylor Tatum, another big one as well. Drew, you mentioned USC, Oklahoma there. Oklahoma had to have it. They got it done. Drew, I would say biggest takeaway for me 
is Justin Williams, and then you throw in Joseph Jonah Ajanye as well. Georgia getting into Texas, it, it, it's not like they don't already have an embarrassment of riches, but this is like a, a team that is already oil rich, tapping into another part of the country that is saturated with talent. And if they're able to do this, this, this to me, we need to look into a little bit because if you're Texas or Texas A&M and these are the guys that you need to keep home, to me, those two players are national championship players. And what I mean by that, those guys are going to be part of a program that's going to be part of a team that's going to compete for a national championship, multi-year starters at a high level with NFL draft upside. So to me, I, I kind of got my antennas up if I'm Texas and Texas A&M. That's, that's kind of my takeaway on those two Texas kids. It's funny because someone in Athens – told me this would have been back in in January or February and it wasn't about one of those individuals it was another blue chipper in in Texas and Georgia was kind of debating hey do we do we push all the all the chips in and you know it came up well hey we think this guy is a is a difference maker like it's it's worth recruiting the Lone Star State for this x individual because of xxx reason and i think Georgia has just gotten to that point where it's like, all right, like we we have the resources, we have the clout after winning back-to-back national championships, after sending all those guys to the NFL, that we can kind of pick and choose the battles we want to go and, and fight. And oftentimes they're winning those battles. So yes, I think it is scary if you are in Texas, if you're one of these programs that relies heavily um, on the Dallas and the Houston areas and, and beast Texas to outfit your roster. So uh, I think you're on to something there, Cooper. Yeah, the Death Star making its way towards Texas and the Lone Star State. Drew, a lot to talk about, but before we do that, guys, tomorrow's episode will be the mailbag episode. We've been enjoying doing that with you guys the last couple of weeks. If you have a question, make sure to ask that question as a review on the 24-7 Sports Football Recruiting Podcast. We'll try to get to as many questions as possible. Also, we'll put out a tweet either today or tomorrow. You can reply on Twitter as well if you have a submission there. All right, Drew, let's start with Notre Dame. Big, big addition for them over the weekend for Marcus Freeman and company. Kingston, Viliamu Asa, number nine linebacker in the country from St. John Bosco, the Irish. They beat out Ohio State and USC. And both of those were recent trips for Viliamu Asa as well. This is a big one. Drew, just... 30,000 feet, you can take this wherever you want to go. But what is what is this addition for Notre Dame, who has really kind of struggled on the national scale against these type of opponents, uh, mean for the Irish? I, I think it's just that, Cooper. Um, you know, Notre Dame will, will start hot, and then they kind of they fizzle down the stretch. And I'm just talking about recent cycles, and I think that's more of a product of they, they get their guys in the boat and – that's kind of that's kind of the class, and and normally as the cycle progresses, it's it's a little bit more defense, and maybe they aren't winning, um, making a, a bunch of splashes and, and headlines. So for me, I, I think getting Kingston committed, a high profile recruitment going head to head with Ohio State and USC, like Notre Dame needed this. I mean, summer the summer months hadn't really gone. I think how Marcus Freeman, how the people in South Bend had wanted, you know, Isaiah Canyon, wide receiver out of, out of the Peach State, he flips to Georgia Tech. Justin Scott, the uh, you can call him local over there in Chicago land, big five-star defensive lineman. You know, there were some people that thought Notre Dame was in a good spot. He, he picks Ohio State out of nowhere. So 
I think sometimes recruiting is is a momentum game, right? And Notre Dame didn't really have the momentum, right? Right, you know, it's like they're in the third quarter and, and they're down some points and, and they needed to flip the script. And now they get Kingston committed. I mean, this guy was CIF, defensive player of the year last year, 110 tackles, 5.5 sacks, two fumble recoveries. Now he missed time as a sophomore. He was out in California. I remember they played those spring seasons tore his ACL, but um, one of the top linebackers in the 2024 cycle, a guy that our West Coast analyst, Greg Biggins, you know, he stamps this kid as as a difference maker. And I, I, I just reading kind of the quotes from Kingston about why he picked Notre Dame. I mean, this is a kid I, uh, I'm kind of paraphrasing here, but, you know, he went on a, 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 a with a youth group from a church, kind of went dark little Aaron Rodgers like and and thought things over and you know all signs pointed to Notre Dame so like when you read that it's like all right Notre Dame needed to get this guy so I think it's a a monster addition for Marcus Freeman and and the rest of the Irish I mean they got to be fired up and I think a great way for them to prepare to open up uh, fall camp here let's talk a little bit about the player I mean I, I I like this cat super high floor very intelligent that kind of jumps out on tape I love his reactionary quickness he's a three down linebacker and he can do a little bit of everything he can bang between the tackles he can play sideline to sideline I think his best trait is being a proactive defensive player and I, I kind of talked about that yesterday when breaking down Justin Williams a little bit but he plays as fast as he processes and that's what I love uh, about Billy Amu Asa and then you throw in Billy Amuasa with a guy like Drake Bowen. The Irish are in the mix with a guy like Bradley Shaw as well. I think those two would play exceptionally well off each other. So Marcus Freeman obviously played linebacker at Ohio State. This is a guy who's going to pay very, very close attention to that position. So big, big pickup for the Irish. Drew, any final thoughts on uh, Billy Amuasa? We kind of talked about this with Arkansas uh, recently, but – you know, we're getting to the point now where these recruiting classes are over 20 guys, right? Like it's how many more are they going to take? And, and when you look at Notre Dame's class, what I like at the top is there is star power. CJ Carr, quarterback, Cam Williams, wide receiver. Now you add Kingston into the mix. That is three top 100 prospects. And everyone's asking, hey, how does Notre Dame get over the hump, right? How does Notre Dame break through in the college football playoff? Uh, I think depth is certainly a factor there, but at the end of the day, you need some star power. And and those are three guys at three different position groups. We'll see how they round it out. Uh, you brought up Bradley Shaw. I think we've detailed in the past, we're talking about the linebacker out of the state of Alabama, took an official visit to Notre Dame there in the month of June. Like I would love to see Bradley Shaw uh, suiting up for the fighting Irish. So that's where, where I get excited about the classes. All right. I, when you, when you dig in, you start going through some of these pieces you know, that maybe aren't near the top of the list. I get the takes. There's there's people I like, Sean Selviano, defensive lineman, Bryce Young, defensive lineman. Like there's a lot of different pieces I like, but at the end of the day, they got the star power at the top and that's what Notre Dame needs to do, right? They need to get those stars, the difference makers, the impact players, game breakers. And I think they got three of them committed right now and CJ Carr, Cam Williams, and now Kingston. Yeah, you got to give Marcus Freeman a lot of credit. They're missing smart, missing the right way, right? We talk about height, weight, speed. A lot. I think Marcus Freeman has done that. Now you've seen it in back-to-back classes. I'm excited about the Irish late flip and Kenny Menchie. I like that quarterback room, how it's taken shape after Sam Hartman. So Notre Dame team to watch this year, big year 
for the Fighting Irish coming up. Drew Clemson, they just kind of see seem to be on cruise control this year on the on the recruiting trail. They add another top two four seven pickup with Corey and Gibson, number twelve corner in the country from Lancaster High School in Texas, Ohio State, Texas, TCU, all in the mix, all got OVs in June. A lot to like here, six foot, 160 pounds plus, a guy that can run 10-6 in the 100 meter as well. Drew, I, the, the more you watch this guy, I kind of like him as a nickel defender. He's very, very comfortable there uh, and a guy that's really highly instinctive and strong in run support but can play the deep part of the field. I like this get for Clemson. I think this guy is worthy of outperforming his current grade projection where we have him right now. This is another savvy take that we might not talk about as much, but a few years from now, Clemson and Dabo Sweeney are going to be looking better for it. Well, you mentioned you see him as a nickel. I think he's a guy that can play all four or five spots in the secondary, right? Like, I don't think you pigeonhole him to one specific role. I think you get him there and, all right, like, where do we need him? And then ultimately, where can we settle him in once, you know, the depth chart aligns? I agree absolutely. You look at what Gabe Brooks, our our analyst in Texas, wrote. I mean, that's that's the name of the game, I think, with Corian. I mean, he can do a little bit of everything. Now, I think he's going to need to add some size. You know, one of the only measurements we have on him, you know, he's under 170 pounds, which he should. I mean, he's going to put on it, but you love the speed markers. And Coop, when, you know, when he committed, and I go back to that episode we did about high-profile recruiters or, or guys that don't get enough credit, Mike Reed, uh, Clemson's defensive back coach, like, I, I you know, he he's done pretty well over the years, and, and this is a big pickup for them. We just mentioned Georgia pushing into the state of Texas. Well, what about what Clemson's doing here? I mean, they got Bryant Wesco, the five-star wide receiver committed. Now Corey and Gibson. And, and Gibson's a guy that visited Ohio State. We know the Buckeyes usually have a ton of success down in Texas. TCU was involved. TCU just played for a national title. So I, I like this pickup. I, I start looking at, at Clemson's class more specifically so in that secondary also got Ricardo Jones, a top two, four, seven safety committed. He's he's a guy that's in the right place at the right time. Consistent, consistently go back to the 2023 cycle. You know, I, I think we didn't talk enough about just the type of defensive backs that um, that that Clemson brought in. You know, I, I audited a lot of those guys late in the season. Uh, I think they what they took five DBs from the state of Georgia. I like all of them. I mean, they're all high three stars for us, borderline four-star prospects. So I, I look towards the future of that secondary, and I think they got um, some some guys that can make a difference there in the ACC, and, and Corian might be my favorite of the bunch. Six out of the 10 top 10 players in Texas are committed. Only one is committed to a program in Texas. That is Daylon Evans. So Are you, are you surprised by that? On. I, I think the way that it plays out, I think Terry Bussey ends up staying home. I think Micah Hudson ends up staying home. Kobe Black, Colin Simmons. I think all those guys are in a position to stay home. But, you know, I'm not – you start to read into it a little bit. I'm not surprised by Wesco. Uh, Justin Williams, to me, is is a little bit surprising. Like, to me, if you're Texas or Oklahoma, and I know we're talking about the Texas programs, to me, those, those defensive guys, like – those are the guys at the end of the day, especially when we're talking about going good to great, 
And I, I know Texas A&M has recruited at extremely high level going back to that 23 class or, or 22 class, excuse me, especially on, on the defensive front. But it's it's about the point of attack. That That's where the difference is going to be, especially now with Texas joining the SEC. So I would think those type of players would be more of a priority. And it's not, it's not that they're not, right, but it's about keeping those guys home. I mean, it's it's tough to have guys like Justin Williams lead the state, right? So well, Clemson was, going into Texas to be able to, you know, pluck a guy like Wesco doesn't, doesn't shock me at all. What, what was that number again? You've said six of the 10 are not. Six, six out of 10, some, some quick math. Yeah, but one, Dalen Evans, number eight player in the state of Texas, committed to, to bags. So I just pulled up the Florida rankings. Florida, it's only two of the top 10 players are going to in, or I'm sorry, three of the top 10 players in state are going to either go to one of the big three in the state of Florida. That'd be Trader to Miami, Darius Hayes to Florida, and then Miles Graham, uh, linebacker. He just came in, uh, transferred from Georgia. He's going to spend his senior season in Gainesville. Just, just something interesting. We talk about the battleground states, and I do think with the state of Florida, it's it's a little, you know, you got IMG Academy that kind of throws off the equation, but um, just just something to keep an eye on, right? You know, where the top I dog mean, is. Listen, I'm 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 throwing shade at at Texas right now. You brought up Florida. You go to Georgia. Dylan Rayola is a transplant. Uh, you go one through twelve. He would be the only commit, technically, from the state of Georgia right now right so i i just think it goes to show that geographically the recruiting game is not as tied into location as much as it used to be not even close really right is that it's like NIL, a list game now is that like an nil driven thing i mean it's got to be right i think we've just seen over the years players have success at different programs regardless of location it used to be so regionally based back in the day like i remember when arian foster played at tennessee and came over from california those guys would stick out like sore thumbs right because there were only one or two on a roster now you look at you know georgia going to new york georgia going to texas a lot of these programs right florida going into texas they're not as regionally restricted as they were in the past i think a little bit is is like you mentioned i do think a little bit of it's nil i just think the way college football has changed and now you have the transfer portal right so there's a there's an easy out and i think a little bit of it as well is conference expansion <laughs> you can go back to 10 15 years ago some of these kids would have not known about these schools as, as crazy as that sounds like it's a lot easier to to jump into one of these conferences i mean, I, I think there's a little bit of that right right Interesting, interesting. interesting no, it, it really is. I mean, you look at Georgia and it's all these guys going all other places. You look at Florida, everyone's going everywhere else. And then you look at Texas and everyone's going everywhere else. I, I mean, should I, should I pull up the California? Pulling up California. Well, now I'm interested because the, the, the next team that we're talking about is LSU, right? And one of the biggest question marks we had when Brian Kelly came over from Notre Dame is how are they going to do when it comes to in-state talent? Well. 
look at LSU right now. Eight of the top 10 players in the state of Louisiana committed to LSU. Still waiting on guys like Dominic McKinley and Wardell Mack. So LSU still rooted in their home state. That's a good thing if you're an LSU fan. Tylen well, Singleton, Drew. Yeah, they had Tylen Singleton, what, number 15 linebacker for us. I think that was on Saturday. I, I want to say it was Saturday or Sunday. Um, how, how would you describe him? Back seven defender, second level defender. That is a bit second of a Second level defender. I, I love this kid. I, I think he's – sorry to keep cutting you off. I, I think he is a sleeper. You start to read into the athletic profile a little bit more. And I don't want to say sleeper, right? He's a top 150 player. But I think as a guy that could move up the board. I mean, he's 6'2 in the high jump. He had a uh, time in the 200. That would be in the top 25% at his position. Same with the high jump, the linebacker position. Similar to Tackett Curtis last year. And at Manny High School, they both played on the same program. Smartly, they deploy those guys in a way where they just put their athletes in the best position to succeed. So when you turn on the tape of Tylen Singleton, you see him all over the place. You see him off the edge. You see him at the second level, speed and space. And then you see him playing a little bit of safety at times, too. But he's a he's a three-phase guy, plays on offense. You see him on special teams, returning kicks. I love the straight line ability, but he is a fluid mover, Drew. I, I like him a lot. I like the way he plays the game. He's physical. He covers a lot of ground. This is one of those pickups that I can see in a couple years, this guy being a super high productive player for LSU that they kept in state that maybe didn't have uh, a lot of the uh, headline recognition uh, as some of the other guys that we've talked about in the past. But I really like this pickup from Madhouse and Brian Kelly. And Matt House was super involved. I was reading some stuff on our LSU site, and I think Talon had kind of the the quote, which, I mean, it sounds simple, but it's so true. Like, all the kids in Louisiana want to go to LSU. And, uh, you know, last cycle, I think Brian Kelly was – remember he was just recruiting nationally, and it was like, all right – these were clearly connections made when you were at Notre Dame. Like, is, is this going to work out? And it seems like it has not taken long to recalibrate and, and get back on course and do what LSU does. And that's put a fence around the state. And uh, you mentioned Talon, what he brings to the table. I think when they picked up Deshaun McBride, top two, four, seven safety for us, he's actually our number three safety. Like, that commitment flew a little bit under the radar. And then it's like, you start digging into him. And it's like, whoa, this guy's kind of a dude. Tests off the charts, um, track and field guy, nine interceptions. Like, they're just getting really good football players that have traits and not letting them leave the state. So I really like what LSU has done, right? What would you say? Eight of the top 10 in the state are committed. They have 13 from Louisiana. They only signed 10 out of the state last cycle i mean a lot to like primarily on that defensive side of the ball a little bit of a sidebar here how about Tulane? four of the top 22 players in the state of louisiana committed to Tulane and drew these are out out of the four none of them are ranked lower than 87 overall 
Yeah, this you talk about it all the time. I I know we didn't I, I know we didn't come into the show trying to talk about Tulane, but you know, like I I brought this up when it came to Northwestern and the talent identification and evaluation, and people say, oh, it's it's a different game. These guys know talent, and the other part of this is they hire really well too. If you haven't listened to that podcast that we did with Tulane head coach Willie Fritz, we kind of talked about his hiring philosophy, some of the guys that he's had there at Tulane under his tutelage. I just saw that they were picked by the media to, to go back-to-back repeat in the AAC. So well, they got Michael they're doing Pat. some good stuff, man. Okay. Sidebar again. Who do you <laughs> think is who do you think is hurt the most by Brian Kelly just putting putting the fence up around Louisiana? Because I have I, a school came to mind to me. I have I have one. I mean the the obvious thorn in LSU's side, Orgeron, Les Miles, and still highly capable, and we just haven't seen that that head to head yet. Alabama, yeah, but they typically live in Alabama's either in one like. Monroe, Shreveport, or a meet. And those are their vulnerabilities. Um, that being said, I'd have to go back last year and see if if Alabama signed anybody from Louisiana. So the school that jumped out to me, and this is like a working theory, but like I feel like ever since Mike Norvell has been at Florida State, like they've tried to get as active as they can in Louisiana. And they've come close to pulling some guys in. But it seems like now that Brian Kelly has it kind of cooking there, like they're just not have not a they don't have a seat at the table, maybe some of those guys. And you know, I've looked over the past few years, they've only signed two guys out of Louisiana. But I think when they initially got there, they saw an opportunity to make a move in the bayou and Brian Kelly has shut that down. And it's funny because, you know, they played last season. They're going to play again this season. Just, just something I was thinking about as we were uh, going through this. Louisiana and Mississippi are kind of their own entities in terms of trying to recruit at a power five level. They're, they're very, very difficult to recruit those states. I always thought, like, I always use the analogy, like recruiting in Mississippi, if you're an out-of-state Power 5 program, it's like recruiting in quicksand, you know? And I, I think, like, at Oregon, they had Trey Benson. They got him out. That was a surprise. Dante Dowdle ends up getting out, going to Eugene as well. Isaiah Brevard was a guy that we had out of there. Now, the, the return on investment has not been what was expected. Um but it's, it's typically difficult to get top players out of the state of Mississippi. So even Florida with Jamonte Waller, somebody asked me the other day, like, is, is that one over? And I was like, I don't, I don't think it's ever over when you're dealing with that state in Mississippi and Mississippi state exclusively. Well, they also got Kay and Daniels, the running back committed out of uh, West Point, right. Mississippi. I think he's kind of been, he's been, a, he's been a, Mississippi State. I think Michigan State's also in there as well. 
those those guys are just like the Isaac Smith recruitment. You know what I'm saying? Like LSU was in it. There's a couple other different different programs in it. At the end of the day, he ends up going to Mississippi State. I just think it's hard to get those guys out of there consistently. We're going to take a quick break. You're listening to the 24-7 Sports Football Recruiting Podcast. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Edwin Spillman, Tennessee. Rocky Top. And Rocky Top's been hot. Number 28 linebacker in the country. He's a bit he's a little bit longer than I think people give him credit for. High floor player. You turn on the tape, one of those other guys, but pretty Similar to what I was describing earlier, like him between the ears, plays fast. I think this guy is a guy that can develop into a starter. I think he's got special teams, early contributions written all over him. But type of guy in state, really hard to pass up. Tennessee, number 10 in the rankings, right? Um, we know they're going to score points. I feel like we always say this. Me, they, they have to keep improving the defense, have to keep improving the two deep and Edwin Spillman I I think you'd be the second highest ranked defender that they have committed this cycle I liked what they did at at linebacker the year prior um what's, what's his name who signed there Arian Carter well Arian I mean, Jalen Smith out of out of Georgia there at Grayson I mean he was a he was a tackle machine and I think Jeremiah Tellender Kind of a sneaky good get. So improving the middle of the defense. I mean, I, I I'm a I'm a fan. I, I know you have a little bit of more exposure to Edwin than I do, but just looking at it as a whole, I mean, they have to continue to get these guys on board. I mean, do they? I mean, the way they're putting this offense together, they might just score 70 points on everybody. You eventually I have wait to, to I, I can't wait to see that offense. No, I know. I know. They gotta play defense. Gotta get a stop. And then I think Every now I mean, and then. they got Jordan Burns, linebacker committed out of Pace Academy. You know, he's got some traits as well. Like, I, I think they're taking guys that can be morphed into starters. And there hasn't been many defensive takes as of late for the balls where it's like you're kind of scratching your head. Hey, what, like, what, what's the plan here? If that makes sense. I like what they did last year. Ricky Gibson was another sneaky guy they got out of Trustville in Alabama. Jordan where, Matthews out of Louisiana. Where are they going to play Boo Carter? What's what's kind of the do, – do we know? Running back, DB? Because I like him on, on defense. I, I The rare occasion of you and I splitting hairs on offense and defense, I agree with you. <laughs> Wait, this is one of the rare times you agree with me? Correct. <laughs> normally I think we're, he's he, – Normally we're on the complete guys. opposite sides. Right. I kind of like him as a nickel. Good football player. Figure it out with him. Hope he's he's going to be very, very difficult to keep off the field. All right, Drew, to the Big Ten we go. Penn State now up to number six in the rankings. This is like three straight cycles. I've just not even low-key anymore. I have 
an infatuation with what Penn State has been doing on the recruiting trail. Really, really like the Liam Andrews pickup. I think you and I and maybe Gabe Brooks and Hudson Standish would go back and forth whether or not he's an offensive lineman or a defensive line, but it looks like he's going to play defensive line at Penn State. Regardless, another good situation to have. So they add him, and they add T.A. Cunningham, the number 29 defensive lineman in the country, on Saturday. So Penn State, they're up to 24 commitments. Like I said, number six in the rankings. I think they were picked to finish third in the Big Ten, Big Ten East. Um, Drew, I know we're talking about recruiting, but they're just like sneaky to me. I know you're you're kind of like the low key, like watching those betting lines. <laughs> that would be the one that I would like. You know, I'd, I'd I'd throw a little money on that one. Futures, futures. That 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 would be futures. The term. Well, I think their future is now. Is that right, or is that am I just totally futures? Me and like the season's not here yet. I like I. No, I, I I agree with you, but they they do lose some some guys from that defense. Um, now Liam Andrews, that this is another one where I think we've kind of been split internally in terms of like where we viewed him, kind of long term. Um, we had him listed as an offensive lineman, flipped him over to defense, but he's a two way two way player. I've kind of seen it. On defense, I mean, a little bit older for his grade, but man, I think when you look at him and you know what Penn State's capable of doing inside that that strength room, it's like, all right, like this guy's gonna be a potential, you know, monster up front. So really like that addition. Um, who did they beat out for him? Who 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 was the other schools that were in there? Was it like Boston College or? No. On the Liam Andrews? Yeah, Wisconsin and South Carolina. There you go. Yeah, so I'm a fan. I mean, your thoughts on him? You compared you – you had an NFL comp for him. I did. I, I did. My back was against the wall a little bit, but it's kind of like Derek Wolf. I, I kind of see multi-positional guy that can play inside, outside, depending on the scheme. You know what's interesting about him? He he appears long on tape. We don't have any verified measurements on him. But that's kind of why I liked him at tackle. You know, I thought it was a, a aggressive, competitive play temperament, easy mover, can play in space, can play at the second level. One of those guys that just seemed like a more natural progression on the offensive side of the ball. That's fair. I remember I, I remember it's I don't, there's not a ton of case studies where you're like, all right, is this guy, like I remember Brew McCoy at Modern Day, and I think you and I have talked about this, but he was a two-way standout, and I thought his potential on the defensive side of the ball as a 3-4 outside linebacker was out of this world. Now, he's had a difficult career to kind of study and monitor because of the off-field. Goes to Tennessee last year. Had a solid year, but I, I don't think he'll ever reach the potential of what I thought he could be on the defensive end. And I don't so, know how many times that I can remember in my in my career doing this, how many times where I'm like, 
that guy's playing the wrong, not the wrong position, but he's playing on the wrong side of the ball. And now you got me thinking. (laughs) Is there there one that comes to mind for you where you're like, and I know you and I kind of had that discussion about Terry Bussey, right? Yeah. Jalen Mbakwe is another guy, you know? Well, I think, I think a lot of the times it just doesn't even work out. Like it doesn't even get off the ground. You know what I mean? Um, For one reason or another, I'm going through our, uh, or athlete rankings. I'm trying to. Well, the find. other one, Drew, is like this cycle is like, you know, the Eccles kid, right? Okay. Okay. I, I, I got one. Um, Raheem Rocket Sanders. I thought he was a linebacker. And, you know, I think we listed him as an athlete. Now he's like an all SEC preseason running back. I didn't, I didn't really see that. I- I have another one for you as well. Braylon Allen, Wisconsin. Yeah. I thought the same thing. You know what's you know what's great about him? And I've done preliminary research on all of... So we're seeing this boom in re- reclassifications, right? All these kids skipping a year of high school, sometimes two, reclassing, trying to get to college as fast as they can. And I'm I'm up to 20, 30 names or so. I think Braylon Allen is going to be the first reclass drafted where he legitimately missed the high school season, got to college. They started him off at safety, move him to running back, and now he's just a force for the Badgers there. So here is what threw me off the scent but i should know better of braylon allen and i remember this just not being able to process it braylon allen at the all-american bowl combine in 2020 six foot and a half 212 pounds sub 5 140 sub 5 1 short shuttle but he was also uh, he, he might have been foot 15, broad he might have been 15 at the time 2020. Well, didn't he start college when he was 17? Let's see. Now we're doing some quick math on here. I apologize for the delay. Class of 2021. So, yeah, he would have been like 15. Okay, here's another one. Travis Hunter. It sounds like Colorado is going to use him at wide receiver. I don't know. I I mean, I'm I'm just throwing guys that have been on both sides of the ball where it's been kind of hard to figure out, you know, what they are. Right. I'm trying to do some math in my head. Obviously, I'm not a, I'm not a mathematician on the Braylon Allen. I think you're right on the 15 years old. Oh, I'm just saying, I think okay. sometimes I, I think sometimes we we look at these numbers, right? These testing numbers. And this just doesn't isn't us. I think the industry, I think fans are guilty of Oh, well, he's a 48 kid. It's like he's a 48 kid when he's 15 years old like that's a that's a boy you know stop picturing the nfl scouting combine where this guy has been in a training camp you know getting his quads and you know calves massaged every day pumping protein into him trained to run as fast as he can like sometimes these guys are you know (laughs) riding three hours in a bus 
you know, eating Doritos and then showing up and, and running a 40 in the second session because he had to be there at 8 a.m. So, like, I'm not saying that with Braylon, Edward, with Braylon Allen, but I do think sometimes when you look at the data, you need to take into account. And you said that was at the All-American Combine. Was that correct? Correct. Traditionally a slow track. I don't have the I don't have the archived evidence to prove that one way or another. Oh, I do. <laughs> now he he was 20, 22, 6, 4 in the hundred ten meter hurdles, and he had a really solid discus for a running back at two thirty five. So there were there were redeeming qualities there. I think that ended up being a, a quicker eval than it should have been, and I think he had more defensive tape than he had running back tape, if I remember correctly. Correct. Correct. But good on good on Braylon Allen, good on Wisconsin, Paul Chris, getting that one figured out. He was also like squatting five hundred pounds in high school, like crazy stuff. Right. All right, last one here. Brandon Jacob, number fifteen, ranked safety in the country to Maryland. Out of the state of Florida. Tarks yeah. Getting on the board. Talk are to they me were, here. Are there forty five in the rankings right now? Huge addition for the Terps and you know, how much did the big three press for Brandon Jacob down the stretch? I don't know. Um, but <laughs> this is a kid with 40 offers in person. He can play. I, I view him as a single high safety that can go get the football picked off bypasses as a junior, um, a bit lean, my question with him is his ability to come up, meet a ball carrier, and, and drag them to the ground. But I don't, I don't know if Maryland's going to ask him to do that, right? And you, you think about the future of the Big Ten, Ohio State. We know they want to, they want to air it out. But you're, you're welcoming in USC, UCLA, have to play, defend the deeper third. And I think Brandon Jacob is a guy that can do that and I, it's it's hard to sit back and and knock what the Terps have done from a developmental standpoint and at DB I mean they had two defensive backs selected in the 2023 NFL draft a guy in the first round a guy in the, in the fourth round so I think it's a monster addition for them uh, again Brandon Jacobs someone I've had a ton of exposure to at a, a public school there in Orlando love Love the coaching staff there at Evans High School. So uh huge get for for them. And I mean, when's the last time we talked talked about Maryland getting a top two, four, seven talent? It's been a while, but I, not even that out of the state of Florida. Yeah. Well, I should say they signed Rico Walker last cycle, who actually just ties into the conversation we just had. Edge player out of North Carolina. Apparently he's pushing for playing time at tight end, which was when I read that I was like, "Whoa, okay." Um, but I think for Locksley, not even sure what. Like, what do we even know anymore, Drew? <laughs> well, you got Young Concrete getting reps at a tight end as well up at Oregon. So um, there you go. Now I, I like that, and a little bit more on Maryland's class because I don't know, you know, maybe the next time we're going to talk about them, but they also. Got another DB from Florida committed, Larry Tarver Jr., um, kid that was committed to FIU, uh, who and they were going to get a steal. Uh, was he Florida State champ or district champ in the 200 and the 100, 10, 8, 4 kid? Um, so Maryland 
putting together a nice little class and we know that they're going to be active in the transfer portal. I mean, that's what, that's what Mike Loxley does, but I think Brandon Jacobs certainly deserves some, some attention. And I also think you look at, you know, UCF and then moving into the big 12, like Gus Malzahn wants to try to keep as many of those blue chippers in, in the greater central Florida area home, Brandon Jacob won that he can't, um, uh, get to stick with the Knights. Who do you think wins the Big 12 this year? <laughs> Somebody asked me that, and I'm like, you know, I kind of went through conference by conference. I was talking to my buddy and had an answer, I feel, for everyone, and then it's like Big 12. It's like, who knows? No idea. Well, what was the media poll? Texas? I would assume so. Yeah, it's... Texas, Kansas so. State, Oklahoma, Texas Tech, TCU. That's the but the that's... Big Twelve is like that dragon meme. You know, there's two normal dragons and there's that one dragon with its tongue out. It's the rest of the Power Five conferences, and then it's the Big Twelve. Just like every year, you got no idea. Drew, that's all I got, bro. That's all. That's that's all we got on the rundown. Hey, we should point out. Um... Dead period lifted this weekend. Recruits are out on the road visiting schools. Someone told me that you could for bring one week, right? Yeah, someone told me you could bring official visitors in. I was I don't think you can do that. That's what I thought, but I haven't heard of any, but someone someone whoever that is, I think we're gonna have to turn them in. <laughs> <laughs> if you're listening to the show, I'm giving you one warning. I don't think you can. Yeah, nice, nice little, uh, nice little quiet period on the on the back end of uh, July. Then it goes dead for another month, right? Yeah, high school season start. Oh, I didn't even know this. Kai Bates is announcing on Wednesday. Top two, four, seven corner out of Orlando. I'm a big fan of Kai Bates. I think it's an LSU-Tennessee battle. There you go. That'd be a big one because, Drew, you're a big fan of Andre Evans, right? Who yeah. LSU's already got in the boats. That would be quite a tandem there if they can, to pair they him. can find a way to get Kai Bates in there too. Yeah, Pair, pair him with Deshaun McBride, Taylor Singleton, Jawan Johnson. I mean, yeah, that would be uh, probably one of the top secondary halls out there. That's right. That was huge. Just kind of flying under the radar doing their thing. Yeah, and I think I think with Tennessee, you know, they you pair him with Caleb Beasley, two long corners with ball skills. I like Beasley. I wonder if Beasley ends up playing safety long term. I can see how many, that. How many INTs did he have last year? Nine? Yeah, I think it was more than that. Might have been double digits. Yeah. All right. All right, brother. Let's get out of here. Mailbag tomorrow. Make sure if you have a question, like I said, leave a review on Apple Podcasts. That is a place to do it. I'm not sure if you can leave it on one on Spotify or not. Then we'll, we'll put a tweet out as well. You can reply there if you have any questions. Already have a couple questions that we're excited about getting to. Guys, we appreciate you listening as always. For producer Lance Flynn. Director of Scouting, Andrew Ivins. I'm National Recruiting Analyst for Brutaga. Thank you for listening to the 24-7 Sports Football Recruiting Podcast.